welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott, and I'm here to read you a bedtime story. This week's title may sound like it's a little late, and you're right. I wanted to release it before the holiday, but I couldn't upload last week because of the big network move I mentioned on the last episode, and c'est la vie. Here it is now. Oh, and if you didn't notice, I released another Guided Nightmare Omnibus Part 2 earlier this week, so if you'd like another two hours of Guided Nightmares, then it's there for you for the taking. This week's story is by Jeff Christ. Jeff is an incredible author and someone who has had many experiences with the paranormal. He's compiling a book of his encounters, and if you'd like to hear about one, you can check out my friend Sapphire's podcast, Stories with Sapphire, and look for the episode titled, Message Received. Jeff's story is called, Still the Wind. This week, he has for us a tale of heartache and one of my personal favorites, revenge. Enjoy the 4th of July. A steady rain falls from a lamenting sky and lands heavily on the roof of this old car. A somberly laden breeze drifts succinctly between swaying thoughts of old. With my window cracked slightly, I watch the smoke of another cigarette drift out and dissipate into nothing into the very same nothing everything has become. It hadn't always been this way. I hadn't always been so hollow, so numb. For a time, for a little while, I may even have been happy. I was content with my small life. We were content with our small lives. The days spent laboring in the shop would drone on mercilessly. The hours unrelenting and tedious. The monotony would grind away in bitter defiance. Yet even still, time would inevitably lurch closer to her. Simply knowing this truth was enough to force me from our warm bed and out into the fray. Her ethereal smile was the forgotten sun, penetrating the gloom of the momentarily empathetic clouds. And even the coldest, darkest grip of winter, our home was a bounteous garden, her heart a divine mystery in full bloom, her hand the eternal promise of devotion to her king, to a king enthralled in his queen. Often I recall with the deepest of fondness our time together. I need only to close my eyes to disappear into our beautiful past. Your hand and mine. I see us walking. We walk that old hidden trail. The trail whose edge sips gently from the lazily flowing stream. I see us tucked away in our favorite low-lit corner booth away from them and lost in us. 
I remember those rare occasions when money was in short-lived abundance. We spent without abandon, going all out on the bill. I loved it when we talked about our big, impossible dreams. We entertained all manner of theories and philosophies. We spoke as though we were on the cusp of uncovering the mystery of it all. Anything felt possible. If even only for a little while. Sometimes we would playfully pretend to be strangers. Entirely different people living entirely different lives. Fully enveloped in our own private little charade. We would laugh, laughing as we would imagine what torrid and salacious trouble our freer selves could find themselves in. I can see us winding the bend. I can hear the music we are only pretending to be listening to. We loved those random, destinationless rides. Nothing quite like a newly discovered back road or open stretch of highway in the full throes of autumn's glory to lose ourselves on. You, with your camera at the ready, determined to capture and immortalize what will be another framed image of nature achieving perfection, as you would say, to adorn our walls. However, and most simply, my favorite times with you were spent at home. Nothing to do, nowhere to be, and no one to see. Simply content in just the state of being. Whether it be another movie night or being immersed in artistic endeavors, we were happy with our simple life, for they had their world, and we had ours, and that was enough. However, those memories and so many others are now just that, nothing more than lifeless memories. We will never again hold hands or walk that trail. There will never again be a carefree drive on a Sunday afternoon. It will never again be us laughing in our favorite corner booth. The aroma of freshly brewed coffee will never again waft from the kitchen and down the hallway. I will never again fall asleep or wake up next to you again, will I? Your side of the bed will always be cold. Eventually, even the shape of you left behind on the sofa will fade away. Anything that mattered is now as dead and buried as she is. As you are. Upon suggestion of the traffic light turning green, she made her turn into the intersection. She began her turn which led to our street. That's where it happened. Only a quarter mile from our front door. A door she would never again cast her shadow upon. 
like a meteor cast adrift and pulled into orbit. The old truck collided into her with the force of a freight train. Amidst a violent explosion of serrated glass and combusted fuel, every dream was eviscerated. Within her mangled tomb of twisted steel and melting plastic, she screamed. From her shattered body, crimson rivulets of horrific truth spattered the asphalt as the hungry black specter of heaving smoke consumed her whole. She was gone. Forever. Not even a smear of tire tread left behind in its wake. No attempt to restrain the carnage of its 4,000-pound onslaught. Before the fire and shrapnel had its way, the force alone sent her cataclysmically 15 feet sideways, barricading her against the unforgiving guardrail. The world around her collapsed inwardly, from every angle as the indifferent hand of death reached out and slammed its closed fist around her. I was told that she died suddenly and that she would not have felt anything. I was told that there was nothing that could have been done. From this generic statement of sympathy, I am expected to find comfort, expected to find solace. I read the police and witness reports and very clearly it was stated that her screams could be heard. Not only heard, but that they carried on for a moment or more. Also made mention of was the smell of hair and flesh burning and roasting as the flames grew in fury. However long it may have been is in every way irrelevant. She felt it. All of it. Every agonizing second of her agonizing end. An end all too undeserved for anyone. Least of all, for someone as good as her. Also revealed... In the report was the condition of the man responsible. At the time of the incident, as stated, he blew a .24. From out of the wreckage of his selfishness, he managed to crawl free to the safety of the curb across the street. Able to crawl free from the aftermath of his disregard for anyone or anything. With little more than a broken leg, some bruising, and a small cut on his forehead, he survived. Slumped against a telephone pole and through swollen bloodshot eyes, he surveyed his thoughtless destruction. Just before passing out, and under a gurgled out-of-breath chuckle, he laughed. He laughed and said, Oh shit, it's like the 4th of July. No sorrow, no shame. 
No guilt. No remorse. This piece of shit offered only a joke. Apparently this fucking Tom had decided to get the party started with only a few hours left on the clock. When he decided to call it a day, he was good and loaded. In his haste to kick off happy hour, he plopped himself behind the wheel and shortly after, blasted through the red light. Four years and a $20,000 fine is all Tom received. Four years and some change for what amounts to murder. He gets to move on with his life and look forward to a future Tom gets to live and she is dead. Where does that leave me? Where am I and what am I to do with this? This agonizing emptiness. My days and nights are an overflowing deluge of sorrow and rage. My only solace is the exhaustion that comes from reaching the limits of my ability to feel anything at all. It was three and a half years later when I found out that the son of a bitch was released. Released for good behavior and a strained prison capacity. He walked out of that prison on a leg with a permanent limp and a scar on his forehead. But he was free. Free to pick up where he left off and start anew. Yet here I remain. I remain serving a life sentence in the rumination of my perpetual torment. It has now been six months since you reclaimed your freedom. In that time, I have been observing you from a distance. You still work as a contractor, I see. I can see that your limp seems to have even improved. It looks as though your midsection has grown a bit wider as well. You now even drive a shiny new truck around town. Life for you has apparently not only offered you a second chance, but seems to have blessed your every endeavor. Your little contracting company has expanded to a fleet of three marked trucks. All of them are adorned with Tom's second chance home remodeling. I've noticed, Tom, that even though you seem to be doing quite well, you display no semblance of gratitude. It would also seem as if you have learned nothing from our ordeal. It took you only a month to again be comfortable with your choice of fueling up on cheap beer and even cheaper liquor. I watch you pull into the parking lot, high atop your chariot. You've added on a new set of dual chrome exhaust performance tailpipes, more than loud enough to obnoxiously proclaim that you still very much exist. I watched you thrust open the heavy door of that new truck. 
I watched you let it slam into the door skin of the car parked next to you. I watched you extend your bummed leg out and bring the weight of your barrel-shaped body to rest on your good one. I watched two shiny silver cylindrical cans follow behind you, and with a metallic clinking, they rattle, landing on the gravel at your feet. Whereby, with said bummed leg, you kick them indignantly under the car parked next to you. The same car you heaved your big, shiny, heavy door into. This rundown dive, your apparent favorite hole in the wall, is everything one might expect. A fading glimpse into the 1970s. A sticky, mismatched, crookedly lined tile floor clings to each step like sweaty Velcro. Vinyl upholstered booths, cracked by the abuse and neglect of time, are sutured with strips of disintegrating duct tape. Holes from drunken fists leave their scars on the chic imitation wood-paneled walls. Upon these walls hang predictably typical sports and race car-themed posters and banners. Swimsuit models smile from aging, faded posters, smiling at men they'd never reduce themselves to actually providing with relief. A beer and cum-stained pool table rests near the back corner, continuing its tradition of winning and losing small fortunes. Of course, it wouldn't be complete without the painfully outdated classic rock blaring over muted TVs. This is very clearly a place where dreams come to die. Tonight I watch you from across the bar. I sit at a dark corner table, away from any amenities that may draw anyone or their eyes my way. This small corner table reminds me of something. Of someone. Who might that be, Tom? I have watched you so many times now, but tonight, I'm just a little closer. Close enough to almost be able to hear everything you're saying. It looks like you're sharing another round with a couple of your buddies. Laughing and joking through heavy, strained breaths. After the friendly bartender at the bar with the big boobs and the wavy, raven hair politely ignores your suggestion, you remain undeterred. Another curvy waitress, this one a blonde, passes by. She's attempting to weave through the maze of people to check on one of her tables. You took this as an invitation. With that fat, nubby paw, you reached out and gave her ass a good and rough grab. She, obviously annoyed, but aware of her need to cover rent, offers you a half-hearted smile as she forces down her anger and rising bile. Your buddies apparently find this behavior to be quite funny. A good chuckle had by all. 
I am not laughing. I am not amused. I am beginning to sweat. A fine sweat, like that which precedes the onset of a fever. A sensation akin to fire and ice floods my face. A concussive ringing in my ears drowns out the ambient revelry pulsating around me. Shallow breaths increase the electric throbbing in my hands. My chest descends into a sinking void that up until this moment I thought I had fully understood. My periphery bleeds black and I can see only one thing. A few hours have now passed away here in my dark little corner, every moment of which I have been intently watching you. I can't help but recall one of those nature documentaries I've seen a thousand times or more, much like you at your favorite watering hole. I see a parched warthog quenching its unquenchable thirst, so intent on indulging his craving for the immediate, he turns his back to the high grass, completely unaware of the stalking predator lurking within. The sudden but familiar crash of an exploding shot glass breaking upon impact with the floor steals my attention. From across the room, uproarious laughter followed by drunk applause has only temporarily shifted my focus. I turn back to see you extending your arms upwards, leaning back on your stool. You sway and lean side to side, enjoying a deep, satisfying stretch. You hop down from your perch and begin gathering your belongings from the bar's countertop. Wallet, phone, smokes, and with shaky, plump, pink fingers, you fumble your keys. You say goodbye to your pals and share one more classy joke, one more lewdly suggestive comment to the ever so patient busty brunette behind the bar and you clumsily stumble, making your way to the bathroom. One last piss before we hit the road. Slowly and casually, I stand up and reach into my back pocket. I pull out a crumpled, well-traveled $20 bill. For a brief second, I wonder where this bill has been. I think about how many people have spent it, how many birthday cakes, birthday presents, or first date night movie tickets has it purchased, how many rushed lunch hour meals has it provided to some poor, overworked slog in a hurry? How many Christmas cards did it hide in before the happy recipient excitedly pulled it from its dormancy, ignoring the enclosed greeting? How many times was it donated to a noble cause? Whose lives has it changed for the better? I then wonder, into the hands of how many addicts did it find its way? 
How many times has it been rolled up and stuffed into someone's nose as they snort their next fleeting high? How many greasy tits was it wedged between by even greasier fingers? How many times did it buy the case that led to one too many? To one too many bad, irreversible decisions. Either way, it's enough to cover the cost of a coffee and tip. I shake my head and come back to the moment. He is still taking his time in the bathroom. No doubt that swollen prostate is making things a little more complicated. I take this opportunity to discreetly slip out the side door. I step outside under the awning, and with one hand cradling the other, I light up a cigarette. I take a long, deep drag, holding in the delicious burn for several seconds before releasing its ghostly form into the night air. I spur myself onward. Now is not the time to deviate. My car is parked a block away on a poorly lit street, a spot known for its nefarious ways, where oral favors or a quick tug of the rug is cheaper than a bottled water. A street where if you bravely walked barefoot, hepatitis or God knows what else, would take up quick residence in your blood should you misplace a precisely unfortunate step. Even if my windows are smashed and my bald tires are slashed. It's a small matter now, as I won't be in need of it tomorrow. You see, Tom, I've never been someone known for their astuteness, never been accused of being too decisive or efficient, However, that has changed ever since you ruined my fucking life. I have had the time to learn the ways of obsessively dwelling on the smallest of details. I have had the time to calculate nearly every variable or sequence of events. As I walk, I cathartically go over my design one more time. It's surprisingly quiet and desolate for this time of night. Convenient, really. People have a way of ruining things. As I ruminate in my festering hatred of you, I see it. My silent sentinel, waiting for me exactly where I left it. I knew my small car wouldn't quite pack the punch needed for tonight's objective. I suppose, all things considered, I'm happy to have found my most recent of shit jobs. My schedule is horrible, and the pay is equally so. There are a few perks, though. One of which is access to this nearly three-ton delivery truck. I'm fairly certain that by this time tomorrow, they will realize I may have borrowed it for unofficial business use. The rain has slowed down to a fine mist. The breeze has settled into a stillness. I drive this very short yet incredibly long drive and after a few tense moments, I arrive. I make my turn and pull over to the curb. Shifting into park, I kill the lights. I wait 
I light up another smoke and meditate on the soothing idol of the motor. In an unexpected calm, I wait. Undoubtedly, you've stopped to pick up a six-pack to lull yourself to sleep and quell the morning tremors. Probably some smokes, some lottery tickets, some late-night snacks, the usual. A few false alarms, but finally, it is your headlights that illuminate this dilapidated street. As you maneuver what should be an easy turn, you not once, but twice swerve. With a heavy jarring, your front wheel rides up and over the curb. The wet rubber against the caution yellow painted cement squelches, slamming to a heavy rest in front of your building. It isn't murder when the act will save a life. Undeserving of your second chance, indifferent to the devastation you have reaped, you, Tom, are unworthy of living. Never again will you do to anyone what you did to her, what you did to me, what you did to us. No, you wiggled free of your debt to justice. I am not justice, nor am I karma. I am but a man. A man driven beyond his limits, beyond his ability to understand, compute, or forgive. A man devoid of any hope, and uninterested in a new beginning. A man who has seen enough and cares to see no more. The rain has now all but stopped, and the world slows its pace little more than that of a flat line. It holds its breath, and with sudden stillness, coaxes from me a long-awaited answer. All logic and emotion from past and present converge and explode into visceral finality. There is no going back, and nothing to go back to. In this moment, divided by full immersion and sunder, I embody a dream had by fate. I bury the gas pedal to the floor and thrust the shifter into drive. The tires piercingly scream a cry for vengeance, emitting the rage of a murderous banshee. The engine roars like a lion, declaring his unwavering savagery and lust for wrath. Tearing through my anguish in a shroud of smoke-laced darkness, I advance at the speed of 450 horses, hell-bent on reprisal. With only seconds before impact, do I reveal to you my blinding high beams, just long enough to see the unexpecting terror in your face, just long enough to see tears forming in those cloudy, bloodshot eyes, to see the dread and desperation render you in every way perfectly helpless, to see you perfectly hopeless. In that final second, 
You profanely cry out to a god you've never known and never thought to until now, hoping he will send his angels down to swoop you up and away from this moment of judgment. He will not. Tonight, Tom, you've run out of second chances. The bone-shattering force of the impact is enormous. Reverberating waves ripple through the buckling cab. Like a gunshot, the airbags deploy, filling my mouth with a chalky, acrid bitterness. Heaving its enormity backwards with punctuated completion, the snarling juggernaut slams to a satisfied rest. Perhaps I underestimated the aftermath I would inflict upon myself. Contorted and dislocated parts inside wail in discomfort. Through a cacophony of groans, we both moan in our mutually shared misery. I take in a salty, wet, and warm-tasting breath. It doesn't matter now. This body only needs to go a little longer. Pushing through the pain, I force open the door wedge between itself and the intruding fender. Coolant, oils, and other slick fluids spill their sheen onto the already rain-slicked asphalt. Escaping gases and vapors hiss and sigh a dying swan song. A thick cloud of chaos hovers above in morbid curiosity. Glass shards and plastic fragments crunch under my heavy, mismatched, dragging feet. For a brief second, I lean against my crumpled fender. Staring upwards, my attention is captured by a sea of stars shimmering through a now clear onyx sky. An unexpected smile takes shape, remembering how, how beautiful she was. I see us once again, walking that old trail. I can feel her hand again in mine. She smiles at me, adoringly, assuring me in the way that only she could. I feel her longing for me, as I have for her. I will yearn no more. It's only the silver cord that separates us now. My serenity is interrupted by the shrill cry of distant sirens approaching and Tom's infuriating belly aching. I don't have long now, nor do I want it. I turn and face the now diminutive man who destroyed everything. As I approach, he gurgles a viscous red like sea foam. Gagging and choking on his ruptured insides, he yells, What the fuck is wrong with you? These two motherfuckers. Fuck you. He says again, as if the words wield some power or control over the situation. I've never been this close to him. I've never been able to see every detail of this face. I hate you stupid son of a bitch! He spews through another wave of blood-soaked coughs. I get closer and observe the protruding, jagged spear of bone jutting out through the punctured flesh of his forearm. He doesn't like it. 
when I give it a little poke. Ugh, you fucking asshole! He screams. I'll fucking kill you! He repeats himself. <coughs> you're, you're fucking crazy! I smell the alcohol spewing from his foul, nauseating mouth. I see the confusion numb his red, sweaty face. He then remembers my face. But not from where. I delight in his icy panic. Then, there it is. The bar. He remembers seeing me there. I watch him put the jagged and torn pieces back together. Until death to us part. I say softly to myself as I bask in his unfolding apocalypse. Fucking psycho! The fuck is wrong with you? His desperation becoming a furious whimper. Staggering back to the bed of my truck, I retrieve the very full and extremely flammable five-gallon jug of gasoline. I twist off the gooseneck funnel cap, letting it clatter to the ground ignoring the throbbing in my hand and wrist as I hoist it above my head. I shower myself in 87 octane and I feel it drench my hair and saturate my clothes. I feel its fumigated coldness run along my skin, finding its way along my contours and fleeing to every crevice. I walk slowly back towards him, my eyes never straying from his not wanting to miss a second of his rapidly evolving nightmare. His eyes are wide open saucers fixated on the approaching madness. I do not blink as I spill a trail from me to him. I want him to see the vacantness in my eyes. I want him to feel the abyss rise up and swallow him alive. Tom begs pathetically, and in defeat resorts to crying and pleading his last valiant stand Get the hell away from me! You're fucking crazy! His voice trails off in quivering futility. I pour that fucking gasoline onto the roof of his truck and down the windshield. It pools across the hood, resting in its crumpled folds. I splash the tires and the annihilated side of his decimated new truck and the front of my mangled battering ram. I reach in through his window, completely dousing him. I saturate that brand new leather interior with vigorous certainty. With the jug now almost empty, I manage to deliver a good couple blows to his face for added satisfaction, the last of which was enough to dislodge one of his few remaining brown, shit-stained colored rotting teeth. I throw the empty jug to the ground where it rolls to rest after a few hollow thuds. The sirens are much closer now. The flashing lights now faintly dance, like tormented memories across the surroundings of what will soon become a hellscape. I watch him thrash as passionately as one can with a dismantled body, his frantic desperation seeking an escape that does not exist trapped in his shiny new crumpled toy. Now nothing more than a makeshift coffin. The fight has begun to leave him and his cursing has devolved into something more like that of a child wanting his mother. 
Through a thick, snotty mess, he begs. Please. Why? The sirens, the lights, they're so close. There is no more time. Our eyes meet again and I say, it's quite fitting that you and I should die together in fire. Tom screams. Stop! Stop! From behind my back, I reveal a green, liquid-filled glass wine bottle. With my other hand, I pull out the Zippo she gave me. Engraved with our anniversary date, I bring the flame to the crudely stuffed rag in mortified recollection and a wash in the horror of my words. He knows absolutely who I am. Just before thrusting the blazing bottle and dropping the lit Zippo to the gas-soaked ground, I look at that face for the last time and say, It's like the 4th of July. Thanks for listening, and thank you again to this week's author, Jeff Kreiss. And remember, check out his story on Stories with Sapphire, and Jeff, let me know when that book is out. I'd love to read more about your paranormal experiences. And if you like this show, you can follow it on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ScareYouToSleep. And you can follow me personally at Shelby B. Scott on all of those, as well as I'm on Blue Sky now. Thank you to uh, a fellow colleague of mine. I am now on Blue Sky. So that's also at Shelby B. Scott, but you know, dot B Sky dot social or whatever it is. (laughs) So if you're on Blue Sky, I'm on there too, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, Let's see what else you can check out. Oh yeah, check out that Guided Nightmare Omnibus. And remember to get your tickets for Midsummer Scream that's coming up soon. I'll be hosting a slumber party with Vanessa Decker, the horror vixen, and Prince Jackson, host of the Nightlight podcast. It's going to be so much fun. Seriously, I am so stoked to host a slumber party. There's going to be like a, a live seance. There's going to be a DJ. We're uh, uh, fil- not filming a movie, <laughs> screening a movie. And it's going to be just a blast. It's going to be from like 8 p.m. to midnight. And I also have a couple panels that day. Again, um, one about uh, modern day urban uh, creepypasta urban legends. Uh, Internet urban legends is what it's called. And a scare you to sleep panel that's about an hour. That is an hour long. And those are both on Sat. All three of those are on Saturday. Saturday is going to be a very busy day for me. But don't worry, I'm going to be at the con all the days. So if for some reason you're there and you don't catch me on Saturday to talk to me or give me a hug or whatever you'd like to do, uh, I will be there on Sunday as well. So and I I will probably be there Friday, but Friday is a very short day. 
So, and I'm going to be attending my friend John's panel. Creepy has its own panel as well. So I'll be there and hanging around. So yeah, come say hi. And don't forget to go check out my other show, Historic Hangouts. There's a new episode this week. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's very different from this show. It's a lot more casual. We try to be kind of funny and we try our best to be funny anyway. And it's fun to just hang out, learn about some historic places that people have hung out and uh, yeah, with me and my co-host James Scott. And the reason we have the same last name is because we are joined in holy matrimony. That's a joke that he would find very funny. Uh, that's his whole shtick on the other show. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you, by the way, for those of you who have been tuning into Historic Hangouts. It's just a fun little project. It really has been great for my mental health and great for our relationship. And I love, it just feels it feels so good to just hang out and be a little more casual and talk to you guys about history. I'm such a history buff. So getting to just talk about history has been so fun. So yeah, go check that out. It's available also on all the places. We're going to have a trailer soon. We've been really uh, lagging on getting a trailer together. And once I do, I'll put it here on the channel. I'll put it up uh, before one of the episodes so you can get a little taste of it if you in case you want to see what you're getting yourself into before you listen to a full episode but yeah there's a new episode out where we talk about um king's tavern in mississippi and natchez mississippi and that was a lot of fun and it's kind of a shorter episode so if you want one that's a little bit of a lighter bite then i suggest starting there uh let's see what else oh this is part of the show by the way if you um are new to the show this is going to we're going to the part of the show where i ramble and if you'd like to turn it off now that is totally fine and i will see you later uh you don't have to listen to me ramble oh and if you'd like a show a story on the show sorry i forgot this part or if you'd like to just drop me a line or ask me about any recipes that i have mentioned on the show you can email me at scare you to sleep at gmail.com and there i am Let's see, now into the ramble. This week I baked. <laughs> this is another, if you're new, again, uh, we just, since the network just did a big move, I assume I'm going to be getting a few new listeners because uh, Megaphone might be pushing it out a little differently. And so, yeah, I talk about what I baked. I talk about my life a little bit at the end of the show to help you decompress and maybe drift off to sleep a little easier and just connect with my audience and connect with you. So this week, I baked one of my favorite recipes I've mentioned on the show before. They're vanilla espresso chocolate chip cookies, and they're like salty, like you put a lot of, it's like salted butter, but extra salt, you can, I sprinkle sea salt on top, and they're, yeah, they have espresso powder in them, they're phenomenal, and you're supposed to use a vanilla bean, you can also use vanilla extract, like this time I didn't have any vanilla beans, and I just used vanilla extract, and it was just as good, and they're so good. So again, let me know if you want that recipe, if you're into espresso and salty snacks and salty sweet. It's a very good balance of salty and sweet, which is dangerous because you can eat so many of them. <laughs> oh, and speaking of 4th of July, I hope all of my American friends, I hope you all had a safe 4th and not something that was too hectic. Uh, it can be kind of a dangerous holiday. I know someone down the street for me uh, blew their hand off as you do sometimes. <laughs> Crazy country. Anyway, uh, so I hope you all had a safe one. It was not too bad around me. My poor cat, uh, she was a little bit traumatized. She spent a lot of time in the back of a closet, but she's good now. She's good. 
And yeah, I uh, hope you had all the hot dogs and potato salad and hamburgers and all that good stuff that you could fit into your bellies. I thought this was kind of funny. I shared both of them on social media. It's funny, I shared them both on different social medias, but I got uh, some funny um, critiques this week. One of them was that I don't sound spooky anymore. I don't sound sinister anymore. I sound like a phone sex operator. And I haven't purposefully (laughs) made my voice sound more phone sex operator. So uh, I don't know. Maybe you're just feeling feelings inside and that's okay. Sometimes we just start to feel some feelings and our bodies just feel those feelings and they're of no fault of the person who is making you feel those feelings and maybe we shouldn't project onto people. It's like, it was like the vocal version of of telling me to put on more clothes or something. It was pretty funny. Um, So I found that one pretty hilarious. And then the other one was I got an email saying that all of you, this was about you, by the way, None of you are normal because no normal people could ever listen to a sick and disgusting show like this. So just so you know, if you're listening still, you're abnormal. And you know what? That just makes me love you even more. I was telling a a childhood friend of mine about that. And both of us really prided ourselves when we were kids on being like weirdos. We were just kind of, we were outcasts. I, we didn't have a lot, we, we didn't, have a lot of like a very good friend group. We were just kind of weird. We were both kind of weird and we both ended up in weird jobs. I'm not going to dox her and talk, talk about hers, but we both ended up in weird jobs. And I was like, you know, sometimes I get stuff like this, emails like this. And I'm like, I did it. That, that little girl who called herself a freak all the time, uh, did it. And I always said it in a, in a, in a non-derogatory way. It was, I, I wanted to be one. And she would be proud of me. So that's fun. All right, everyone. I think I'm going to go again. Please come see me at Midsummer Scream. Tickets are on sale. The, cl- the the sooner you get them, the cheaper they are. That's one reason I've been pushing it so much. I don't get paid per ticket. I don't get paid at all. Actually, I don't get paid at all. Um, but it's just a fun thing for me to do. And so I just really want to see you guys. And I just don't want my scary to sleep panel to be empty. Again, just nightmare fuel. Um, All right, I think I'm going to go. Hopefully I will see a few of you in a few weeks. Uh, Fan favorite episode is going to be having one of its sequels coming up soon, either next week or the week after. I've got to go out of town for a few days to take care of a family member for surgery. So um, there will be an episode next week. Don't worry, there will be an episode. I just don't know if I will get to that one. If you know what I'm talking about, wink, wink. All right, so I will talk to you later. I hope you have a lovely evening. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams.